Welcome to episode 22 of the App Advice Weekly Podcast. I'm Brett Nolan of AppAddict.net, and with me as always is Trevor Sheridan of App Advice. In this episode, Trevor and I go on an epic MC Escher-inspired adventure while editing photos, shooting baskets, and collecting space junk. How you doing tonight, Trevor? Doing good. It sounds like a pretty filled episode, even though it's not as busy as the WWDC wrap-up from last week. Yeah, I mean, I, I, we have a one big tentpole title that was released. I think it kind of scared away some of the developers from releasing their games this week. So we had some smaller titles come out and then the one big title, which we'll get to. But uh, it was still a, a pretty there's some stuff to talk about. Yep. Hopefully you listened to our WWDC episode last week when we talked to all about iOS 11, the new iPad OS High Sierra, Mac OS High Sierra, as well as the HomePod. But now there's one item that we didn't talk about, and it's the Apple Design Award winners for 2017. And there's 12 choices. They've split it up into six apps and six games. On the app side of things, there's the recently released Things 3 productivity app. And then there's Airmail for email. Bear is just a writing utility. And then Elk is a travel currency converter. Kitchen Stories, as the name suggested, is essentially video recipes. And then Enlight is a really deluxe video or photo editing app that makes it relatively accessible. Yeah, yeah, it was a nice selection of things. I mean, technically, a few of these are like the third release of a same app. I don't know if they ever got nominated when they first came out. Uh, I'd be curious to look that up. But uh, overall, I think they made some nice choices. And then on the game side of things, Lake is a coloring book app that we recently talked about. It's technically an app. It's not a game. It's a coloring book. But <laughs> regardless, they did pick uh, Old Man's Journey. We talked about a few weeks ago that really neat puzzle adventure game that's all about story and then there's mushroom 11 where you get to essentially control this green blob by deleting the back end of it so it grows out the front end and then there's splitter critters where you actually slice the scene and create the path forward for the little characters rather than directly moving the characters and then severed is an interesting kind of action adventure game that's all about swipe controls that infinity blade idea but developed into more of a flowing adventure. And then Black Box looks like a varied puzzle game with like a collection of different puzzles. Yeah, the Black Box was the only one I hadn't tried of those. Uh, I think Severed might have even been on your top 10 list for last year, or maybe it was mine. I don't remember. One of us, I think, nominated pretty highly. So it was a, they, they definitely really went for some great choices for the on the game side of things, really picking like unique games that have a unique mechanic that, that really shows off the platform. And I, I was very happy with their picks. Right, it's not like here's the new version of Candy Crush or a clone of <laughs> Clash of Clans. Here's what makes us a lot. Yeah, here's what makes us a lot of money. So we're going to put it on here. And that kind of right blends into our apps and games of the week, where Apple decided to highlight two during WWDC, one each on app and the game side of things. And for apps, it was Affinity Photo, which is a deluxe photo editing app that's inspired by Photoshop or Pixelmator, that kind of do-everything photo editing app. 
and they've made it for iOS specifically really designed for the iPad to just get in there and do everything you could imagine in Photoshop, but make it touch-based. Like there's a Photoshop touch and Pixelmator's on the iPad, but neither are quite like what Affinity Photo is able to do. I had essentially this photo of the LA skyline, you know, with the ocean and the sky in blue at the top and bottom above the skyline. And so I wanted to extract that out. So I just had the actual skyline and there's a tool that makes it as easy as possible to do that, where you can refine your selection and they demoed it on stage. And I was like, okay, that's their demo. Is it actually going to be able to work? And surprisingly it does where first you kind of use just your finger to drag the primary selection and then you choose refine selection and then you zoom in and brush over the areas that you want to get more specific on like in between the gaps of the building you know the skyline goes down into it so you want to precisely get into there or around a palm tree where it's frayed around the edges you want just to highlight the actual palm tree and not the blue sky in between the gaps and the leaves and so the app was able to pull that off as well as you could imagine and it left me with just the skyline and then there was you know just uh, writing up in the sky and I wanted to remove that completely and they have they kind of one up the healing tool with an even better tool to extract and then smartly fill in gaps once you remove something from an image so those are kind of the two deluxe kind of photo editing ideas and they pull it off really well for touch so I, I haven't tried this. I, I had a few concerns because I don't have the Apple Pencil. So I wasn't sure how well this thing would work. You have to use it on an iPad. So I have the 9.7-inch iPad Pro. So I was hoping it would keep up. I, I, I haven't tried it, but I assume that it's, the 9.7 iPad Pro would be able to keep up with it. But without an Apple Pencil, I was a little hesitant about purchasing this just because I don't know how much photo editing I would really do on the iPad. Normally, if I do this stuff, I use GIMP on a PC, and that's how I edit photos. So I just wasn't sure how precise I'd be able to get with my, just a fingertip. Uh, but you're saying it's, it did work well because you no longer have your Apple Pencil, right? Right. So or do I you have don't – no, I, I didn't. I just used my finger. I don't have the Apple Pencil anymore. And I had the old 12.9-inch iPad Pro, not the brand-new A10-powered one. So if you have the A9 chip, it worked perfectly fine on my device. Okay, okay. Yeah, I was curious because the it was on sale uh, for a period of time for 30% off when they first launched. Uh, well, right after WWDC. Uh, and now it's back up to full price of $20. So I was a little hesitant about grabbing, especially because it's probably got a bit of a learning curve. Uh, to it, I would assume. There's uh, just... tutorials for every single feature that they have. And then the, the menus are, they resemble Photoshop in the way they organize the grid of different icons that you have on both sides of the screen. But it's still, it's not as click-based. It really kind of is made for touch where you can also, you know, double tap with two fingers and then you can invert your selection or you always can move around and pan the screen with two fingers versus one finger. You tap, you double tap on a menu icon, and then say you're on the brush, that gives you the option of the five different brushes. So it's pretty accessible for the full range of photo editing features you're given. 
Okay, yeah. I mean, this is one I'll consider. If I ever get an Apple Pencil, I'll consider getting it. But I just don't do a lot of photo editing on, on an actual iPad. I, I think that's what it's designed so you don't need to go over to your computer if you want to do something. Because the most in Photoshop that I'm going to do is where you extract a background or remove very specific items or more merge photos together. And this new iPad with iOS 11 that's coming in the fall is really designed so you don't have to, oh, I got to go over to my computer to do this. And Affinity Photo definitely fills in that gap for photo editing. Right, right. Yeah, it would be so you wouldn't have to step away and you could do it all right on the iPad. And so that's Affinity Photo. It has a premium price, but it's a premium app. It's $19.99, as you mentioned. And then there's a different photo app that I know you checked out. Yeah, so uh, another one that came out, I believe, two weeks ago now. Uh, it was, I believe, the the developers pronounce it Halide. I, I for me, I just kind of want to pronounce it Halide, and it's a like it brings back like manual controls to take photos. So it's all done with simple swipe gestures. So you can swipe up and down while you're taking your photo to adjust the lighting. And then you can swipe on this little, you could turn on manual focus and then you can swipe this little uh, guide bar to adjust the focus. And that way you can really kind of choose exactly what you want to do and focus in on. And it's, it's really intuitive and easy to use. Uh, there are certain aspects of it that uh, didn't quite meet what I want. Like I don't tend to go to auto, to manual focus that much because autofocus for the most part does what I need. But it did get the job done. It The nice thing is for the lighting, they have this whole um, histogram that comes up so that way you know that you're not oversaturating the photo and you can really kind of keep an eye on that so your, your lighting's perfect. But it there were certain parts of it. It just didn't feel like it was fully there. I, I don't know. It's hard to describe. I, I took a, a bunch of photos. So I went to my college reunion this, this weekend and I, I pulled out the app and I tried to take as many photos as I could using that app just because I would normally just go to the stock camera app and do that. But this allowed me to like really kind of focus in on things and take really specific photos. If I wanted to just do like an off the cuff, quick photo it seemed like it was a little more work to, to do that in time wise, where if you're just wanted like a quick point and shoot, you wouldn't necessarily go to this app. Uh, one other thing I did notice is I couldn't find a way to zoom in. So you're kind of stuck with a fully zoomed out photo. Maybe there was a way I just couldn't find it on there. But if you want to take like large raw photos and get your best quality and really have that manual control it seemed like a good alternative to to the stock camera app it just it's gonna have a certain purpose is why you would pull this out versus uh, another photo app yeah I, I completely understand that like if you just need a shot in like a quick moment you'll probably have the stock camera app because you have the autofocus and brightness adjustments and so it's like you're going to take like a very specific nature shot or something that you are going to time up and really care about all the different aspects of manual. Right. You do have the option to turn on the auto stuff, but the one piece that was still missing was I could not figure out the way to actually zoom in. I don't think there was a way. And then while you're taking the photos, 
you're kind of given that last photo that you take and that's the one you can kind of manipulate. I didn't see a way to like jump back and, and look at like all of the photos. You quickly look at all the photos you just took to, to try to go through them. You almost have to kind of go back out to the photos and look there for them. But for the most part, uh, if you want something where you really get that fine tuned controls, this is a, a, a great alternative. But uh, I think it's going to be different per person. But it's definitely one if you're looking for something like that, definitely check it out. And it's uh, it's two ninety nine and it's iPhone only. And so that means it's time for some games. And the first one is the big title featured on the App Store featured during WWDC, and it's Monument Valley Two. The sequel kind of wasn't, you know, like hinted or sneak peeked or anything. It just, boom, here it is, Apple showing it off. And it's a lot like the original where you're given the 3D perspective shift based puzzles with that MC Escher inspired kind of optical illusion idea where you rotate the world and you move a path, you know, in 3D space and then it creates a new pathway just by aligning itself with other parts of the environment. The main difference is that there's an all-new storyline, which is about a mother and daughter. And then since they have these two characters, the puzzles are tied into that so that the daughter always kind of mimics the actions of the mother and they'll separate onto different pathways. And so you need to move the mother so that the daughter might walk onto a switch to create the path forward. And they build upon that idea quite a bit as you move through the world. Yeah, it's a really nice, and they do a great job just with the animations. Like you see the little girl, the mother is walking along like a like an adult would, and then you see the little girl kind of like skipping along, and they do a really nice job because it's all wordless. Like they're not talking or anything. There are some segments where they show some poetic kind of words at the end of levels to kind of guide the story along, but you can really track it all just by seeing these movements of the characters and they just have so much personality and character without actually saying anything and i love that how they've now taken that now you have two people to control even though you're not directly controlling one of them you have to consider their movements in order to solve these puzzles and then as you go along an old friend i won't say who but if you played monument valley you'll cheer when the old friend shows up and then it then what it, I actually just got to a point where they kind of go back in time and then now you're following the girl's story. So you start basically usually following the mom's story, but then there's a point where things kind of break apart and then now you go back and you follow the girl's quest as well. So it's really they've really expanded on the story and then taking all those kind of level elements that you liked from the first one and really kind of broaden them out, trying new things. Some of it will feel familiar, but then you'll see new things where they made it much different and like a new way of thought you have to solve the puzzle. And I just, it's a really nice job for both people coming into this fresh, or if you're familiar with the original, it's more of that, what you love so much about that original, why it was so popular. Yeah, you don't need to play the original to jump right into Monument Valley 2, though. Hopefully you've played the original by now, because it's outstanding even however many years later since its release. And the sequel, it really emphasizes that two aspect to put the two characters together. And like you said, they expand the storyline so it's not just the mom. You actually, you know, 
feel more and connect more between the two characters and their relationship and just that mother and daughter relationship. And it seems like the entire game is longer than the original. Like they've expanded it out as well as emphasized the story. Right. Well, the original had the the a set of levels, and then they de- did a DLC pack a few years later. And so I, I haven't quite finished this because I just started yesterday. Uh, but it definitely, yeah, it definitely feels longer. Some of the levels are. There's one level that was like super short, but then other ones they're like nested level after level. So you'll solve one part of it, and all of a sudden, like a new part will come up, and then a new part will come up. And one of them, I think it was like five or six levels deep that you went through just for that one particular level. So it's the the they vary in size by level, but there's definitely a lot of content here. Yep, and that's Monument Valley 2. It's $4.99. It's universal. And then there's three free games to round out the week. The first one is Flick Heroes, which takes kind of that RPG dungeon crawler idea and cuts it into these arena-based levels where you have a band of heroes and your goal is to beat all the enemies in a given level. But to do so, you simply flick the characters into action. So it's not quite the slingshot idea where you pull back and release. It's more just flick your finger in the direction and how quick you want to really amp up the damage. And then your four characters play different. So you have the one who's just like a main soldier kind of battering ram idea. And then you have a fireball guy who can light your other hero's weapons so they amp up their damage. And then he also has a fireball attack. And then you have a healer who, when it knocks into any of your other heroes, can heal them up. And then you have a genie who dashes straight through. So your other characters are kind of going to bounce and ricochet around like a pinball or like a pool billiard table kind of idea. But genie just slashes through enemies in a straight line. And so you have to use them and balance them together as you go through these more difficult levels with different enemies to face. Right. And what you get to do is you can decide whatever order you want to be flinging these things. So you fling all four of yours and then the enemy takes a turn attacking you. So if you see a way like maybe you want to clear a path, so you use the, the genie that can fly through things. So that way it'll hit a whole bunch of these and maybe it'll take out a few in the back. So now there's less stuff blocking you from getting like maybe to the big guy that's in the level so there's a lot of strategy there of planning the order of how you want to flick these things based on the various characters abilities and then you do have the option of then upgrading each character individually there's items you can find which you can equip on the different characters to give them extra abilities or extra buff them uh, to make them a little more powerful so there's all kinds of other things as you're just playing through these levels that you can do to the characters because you're picking up coins that you can spend. And so it's not just level after level of flicking. It's also this whole RPG element where you're upgrading your characters and, and equipping them so that you can do better and better in the next levels and planning how your strategy, of how you want to attack things. Yeah, they give you a really simple concept to make it as accessible as possible as you just have to flick your finger across the screen and then build upon it with the enemy variety, and then, like you said, the upgrades, as well as what you can equip your heroes with, and then balance your hero attacks in the order that you want to use them, and then they all have a special power that takes a few turns to regenerate, and you want to time using that as well. Now, did you ever play the game? Uh, it was by Wargaming. It was called Smash Squad. 
Did you ever play no, that? It, it's it's not. gone off the App Store now, but it was a very similar concept, except you weren't flicking them. You were actually doing the pull back and release. They had a lot more characters, like tons. I don't even know, like hundreds or maybe even a thousand total character types. So I thought that was a slightly better game just because of its variety, but it's off the App Store now. It, it didn't do well, I, I, and so they end up removing it. But this is a good if you were a fan of that game, this is a, like a much pared down experience compared to that game just because there was so much going on. But I think if if you enjoyed that game, this is a nice replacement if well, you can't get Smash Squad anymore. So this if you're looking for that similar type of experience, then Flick Heroes is a great alternative for that. I like any of those kind of. RPG dungeon crawler ideas that they use like a pachinko or a pinball or slingshot kind of infusion like Blitzkeeper is one that I played. Yeah. Yep. And there's quite a few on the app store and just any more of them isn't a bad thing. Yeah, especially if they try to do things to make it more than just flicking where they have these other RPG elements that kind of expand the experience. Yep, and that's Flick Heroes. It's free, it's universal. And then there's Astro Crash, which built it's built on that Katamari style where you can destroy other ships that are smaller than you, and then you pick up the leftover space junk to make your ship bigger, and as you become bigger, then you can take on bigger ships to destroy, and it builds upon that whole idea of working on the smaller items to become bigger so you can take on the bigger items. It's kind of like Osmos as well on iOS, if you've played that, and... Astro Crash makes it into just an endless high score challenge with a bunch of ships on screen. There's a constant flow of different size ships. The green ships you can smash, the red ships you should avoid until you become big enough to take them on. Right, yeah, you're just trying to avoid and not accidentally hit anything that's red outlined that's bigger than you until you smash and collect enough space junk to make your your mass big enough that now you can take on the next biggest one and then one then you continue doing that and trying to survive as long as you can to then take on the next biggest one so it, it keeps on going on and on and it's more of a just now you have this bigger and bigger thing you got to steer around everything that's on the screen and and just hit the stuff that you want to hit and then hopefully rack up that high score and rise up in the leaderboards yeah, the main challenge is that your ship doesn't just get bigger. Like in Osmos, you have a single cell that just increases in size. This ship is a pile of space junk that attaches to it based on how you pick it up. So if you fly into it right, it adds to the right side of your ship. And so it's not just you have like a regular starship that gets bigger. You have this collection of space junk that is all different arrangements. And in doing so, you can, you there's much tighter windows to dodge enemies just because you don't have like a single ship you have this arrangement of space junk that might be hanging off in weird directions to be in harm's way right if you are really bad at, at planning how you're going to pick up the space junk you can have just like a super long right arm of junk sticking off the side of your ship making it way too long and making it that much harder to avoid things so you really almost have to kind of plan out exactly how you're gonna hit the junk after you blow up the ship so to put it on the side to keep yourself balanced so that you're not overextending one side or another and making a, a target that's going to hit something that you don't mean to hit yep and so that's astro crash it's free it's universal 
And then to round out the week is Bouncy Hoops, which actually came out the week before. But last week we didn't talk about any new apps or games, so we wanted to mention it this week. It's the latest game published by Noodle Cake, and it's that quick-action arcade game where it's built on their flappy golf idea where you just tap for the golf ball to fly into the hole. But in that game, it was all about using a limited number of taps to propel the ball to the hole. In bouncy hoops, you can tap as much as you want, and instead there's a time limit to get the basketball through the hoop, and then the hoops appear alternatively on the left and right side of the screen, so you make it on the right, then the hoop appears on the left, and you're going back and forth just trying to flap in order, and then there's a whole combo multiplier system if you can either make a bank shot, or you can make it through the net, or you can also have a buzzer beater where... The time goes out, you can't flap anymore, but if your ball is on trajectory to go through the hoop, then you can still make it in with the buzzer beater, and that can increase your multiplier as well. Right, I love that buzzer beater, because it also gives you like another extra second of time, and maybe you can knock another one up, because every time the hoop switches sides, it's going to be at a, at a random height. Too. So you can't, you're not just going back and forth, back and forth. You've got to now maybe tap higher or you got to let the ball drop. Maybe it was up high before and this new new one's down lower. So you kind of have to quickly react to wherever the, the net goes and then not over tap because then you'll go through the screen back to the other side and you'll waste valuable time. And you just kind of have to like let it fall. And then you start to get into this, this rhythm where you learn exactly how many taps you really need to do to get it at just the right height to then nail the basket on each side. And so it, it's one of these where you it, you just want to do after you finish, you're like, oh, one more time. I know I can do better this next time. And especially if you have friends on the leaderboard list, you're like, I'm going to beat their score. And then you try for those multipliers so that way you can really crank up the score faster. Yeah, it really has that one more time kind of idea. And then there's two modes. There's the classic mode as well as just a timed challenge mode where you get 60 seconds to start. And each time you make a basket, it's going to replenish the clock. And so you maximize your score in that mode. The other one, you go until you essentially run out of time on a shot or miss a shot for whatever reason. The next one, you just try to maximize your score within 60 seconds. So it varies it. Just enough to kind of keep you playing. Right, yeah. Yeah, it's one of those fun little time wasters. You're in line. You just need something to, to keep your attention. And especially if you have friends on the leaderboard, it's definitely one of these you'll keep coming back to. And that's Bouncy Hoops. It's free. It's universal. And I think that's everything for episode 22. Yeah, that's all I got. To everyone listening, we hope you enjoyed. And we'll talk to you next time. Talk to you later.